John, the fourth chapter, and I'm going to go to the fourth verse. I'm not going to read the whole story, but I'm going to just pass and review a little bit. And the fourth verse says, but he, meaning Jesus, needs to go through Samaria. And if you know anything, as we discussed last week, that even though Samaria was a direct path from Galilee to Jerusalem, it was customary for the Jew to pass around the Samaritan area because they considered them unclean and unseemly. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well, now Jacob's well, I'm sorry, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it? That you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is, uh, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. When then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That is a deep well. Who could say amen to that? A well that gives eternally. Mm-hmm. I got to be careful or I'll take off running down these aisles and walking over these seats. And at my age, that's dangerous. <laughs> Last week I talked about the uh, forgotten water bottle. In fact, I titled that message, Ma'am, You Forgot Your Water Bottle. And so we went through that whole discourse about the importance of water bottles in our day and age because uh, nobody wants to be <laughs> nobody wants to be dehydrated. Yeah, if you got your water bottle, hold it up. Well, let's just see how many folks got their water bottle today. Oh, yeah, okay, this is the right crowd, awesome. So it's important for us to stay hydrated. It's just a, it's just a, a fact of life. And Jesus, what I love about this is Jesus uses the natural things to relate to us oftentimes some of the more deeper understandings of our spiritual walk with him. And so we got into the whole thing about how stylish, you know, cups have become and we have to put our name on them. And often we have more than one in case we should happen to forget one somewhere. I've seen people go into an absolute panic because they forgot their water bottle somewhere. And so it's an important thing. It's Even in, in 2022, it's as important as it was in the time when Jesus stopped by the well to meet the little Samaritan woman. 
And uh, so we talked about the need for Jesus to get to the Samaritan woman. It wasn't just that, that he casually decided, hey, I'm just going to take a new route today. No, God was directing him to that Samaritan woman and directed him directly to the, to the well of Jacob, <clears throat> which belongs to the Jew. And it's in a Samaritan, um, um, what do I want to say, in a Samaritan area. Yeah, it's in their territory. And so the Jews no longer went to the well of Jacob because of that very thing. So Jesus had a need to get there. But look at the person that he went to be with, the person that God called him to. She was an outcast. As I shared with you last week, she, she was half Jewish and half whatever other origin came from the Canaan region. And so at one time, after the fall of the first temple, the Jews that were left after the dispersion of the falling of the temple and uh, people being carted off into foreign nations, those remnant of people who were left married foreign people. They didn't marry other Jewish people. They married foreign people. And in doing so, they created what we call the Samaritan uh, uh, nation. And for a long time, they worshiped together. I won't make a big, long thing out of this, but for a long time, they worshiped together. They were one. But then when the dispersion was over and the natural Jew began to come back and infiltrate the area again, they began to have a rivalry and put the Samaritan away as though they were not worthy to be with them because they were of pure blood. Obviously, by the law, they were not supposed to intermarry. But I want, you to, I want to share something with you about that real quick. The reason the law told the Jew not to intermarry has nothing to do with prejudice against another people group. It had everything to do with accepting pagan worship into their practice. Does that make sense? So this was not supposed to be a prejudice. But I'm just going to be honest with you, it turned into one. It turned into one. And so this is why it was so unlawful for Jesus to go from Galilee to Jerusalem. He should have went around the region, but he went right through it because God directed him there. Aren't you glad that God directs us sometimes in the past that we wouldn't walk otherwise, that we might find this a little too dirty, too, too messy for us, but God will direct us there. So she was an outcast uh, because of her, her origin, but she was also sinful. I didn't hear one amen. She was, everybody's like, do we talk about that here? She was lost. Do you relate to that one? She couldn't find her way. She, she had religious practice. She had things she held to, but she didn't really know God intimately. Can you say amen to that? But here's the other thing about her that's unique. She was hurting. Why do you think Jesus had to go? It wasn't just to straighten out her theology. It was because she needed a rescue. 
The same God that rescued that little woman is the same God that rescued you in your greatest hour of need. Can you say amen to that? So she was hurting. She had had five husbands. She could have started a basketball team. She had five. She had had five husbands. <laughs> and now she's put away number five, and she's just living with number six. She's just trying that one out to see if it's going to work. She's a little gun shy after five, I'm sure. And as I shared last week, who's the common denominator in that story of hers? She was. It's possible that it wasn't the men's problem. Possible. I'm not saying they were innocent. I'm just saying it's possible that it wasn't all the men. And all the ladies got tight-lipped. She was shacking. And so Jesus knew, in order to reach this woman that I have been sent to the well, I need to get a conversation started. And so the living well of God is sitting on Jacob's well of natural resource. And she comes at an untimely time of the day, which is around noon. Most women went to the well in the morning. She comes at noon because she probably wasn't very welcome at the well by the other women of the region because they probably feared she'd steal their husband. I'm just being honest. And so here she is, tore up from the floor up, and she encounters man number seven. The difference is he's a Jew, and she knows that the Jews despise us for who we are and the mixture of our race and how we worship. So Jesus starts the conversation by saying, hey, I need a drink of water. He's tired, he's weary, he's been walking, he's been traveling. But he doesn't have anything to reach down into the well with in the natural. Well, we know he was Jesus. If the Lord had commanded him, he could have just had water spring up out of there. But God didn't command it that way. You have to understand, Jesus was subject to this natural world led by the Holy Spirit. The miracles Jesus wrought were the miracles God told him to work. He didn't just work miracles. He did the things the Father led him to do. And the Father has led him to this well on purpose. And Jesus opens the conversation, would you give me a drink? And she's amazed that he'll even talk to her. That alone took her out of her, her posture. Because she probably came there expecting to be ignored and spurned and looked down upon. But he spoke. She is now out of her normal realm. She is now in a place of what is going on? A Jew, a man at that is talking to me, a Samaritan woman. This is what's going through her mind. What's his angle? Oh, you guys are so holy. You, would, you, don't, you, don't, you wouldn't even recognize that, right? What's his angle? What's he getting at? What's he want from me? 
Every other man in her life wanted something from her. What does he want? You guys are so holy, man. There's just innocence all over everyone's face. It's amazing. So Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. Now, it, the story never tells us if Jesus got his water. I'm sure he did. I'm sure she gave him a drink of water. And after he has his drink, after they've had this little moment, he says, you know something? I've got some water that you need to drink from. But my water is superior to your water. And she's thinking that's almost blasphemous because this is the well of Jacob, the father of Israel. The whole nation started because of the encounter of where this well is. So in her mind, it's almost blasphemous. But they get into a conversation and she says, well, I do know that when the Messiah comes, things will change. She's just kind of skirting around the issue. And Jesus says, guess what? You are talking to him. I am the Messiah. The Jews had a hard time getting their mind around that, but the Samaritan woman didn't have an issue at all. She says, give me this water. Come on, Messiah. I've heard about you all my life, and I'm ready. I'm ready to stop being despised. I'm ready to stop being tore up from the floor up. I'm from Sychar. I'm from the place of liars and drunkards. And I'm ready for a change. And Jesus used that moment to great advantage. But before he gave her her drink... He opened up a conversation that got to the heart of who she was. When she said, give me this water, Messiah, he says, sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's yours. Go call your husband. Don't you love it when Jesus gets in the middle of your stuff? Because every time Jesus gets in the middle of my stuff, it means change is coming. When the Lord rattles me, it means change is on its way if I don't resist it. You have to be willing for God to make those changes. Look at this. He says, go call your husband. Get your basketball team, something. Get them up here. The moment he did that, she tried to deflect the attention off of her by starting a, an argument. She started an argument over religion. How many times have you witnessed to somebody and they started a religious argument? You're trying to tell them about the life-giving water of Christ Jesus, and they start telling you, yeah, but the way you do it's wrong. We're used to the Samaritan way. We don't do it the Jewish way. You think that people can only worship in Jerusalem, but we're standing here at the well, the birthplace of God's greatness in his nation. And so she started a religious argument to get the attention off of her. 
She'd rather have an argument than have her sin pointed out. I'm just going to hang in the air. I heard somebody go, ow. She preferred an argument over having her sin pointed out. But you know, unless my sin is pointed out, I can't change it. Unless, the, unless I'm open enough to let the Lord tell me, you need to fix something in your life. I'm going to always stay circling whatever that issue is. I'll be like the children of Israel. I'll just keep circling until, until one day I allow the Lord to let me fix that so I can get out of the monotonous journey and get started towards my destiny. <laughs> well, she recognized the prophetic nature of Jesus. She says, you know, I think you must be a prophet because he knew stuff about her that he shouldn't know. But she was surprised at his request for a drink. She was even more surprised that he offered her a drink. She's from the place of liars and drunkards. Many men in her life had offered her a drink. If this wasn't concrete, I would have dropped that mic right there. How many men offered this woman a drink? No wonder she wonders about his motive. We know that at least six men have offered this woman a drink in her lifetime. Only for her to find out that it doesn't last long. Strings attached. You can have the drink, but it's going to cost you. Mm. She encountered the well of living water there at Jacob's well. She found life at the well of commem commemoration. Her natural thirst kept her returning to this place daily. It was a place of importance in her daily life. Her true thirst was satisfied at this same well when she encountered the well of living water, Christ Jesus, the seventh man in her life, to offer her a drink. There was something different in the drink that he offered than that the other six had offered. The other six had to get her intoxicated for their offer to look good. But this one offered something different than intoxication. He's offering her exhilaration. He's offering her life. He's offering her something that will dry up the insatiable thirst on the inside of her that keeps her in the place of liars and drunkards. He's offering her a drink so deep that it's life-changing. Mm. She became, after her drink at the well, a flaming evangelist in this unusual encounter. She, a despised outsider, became a beloved insider. 
she felt she could tell the story because her guilt was gone. Her sin had been forgiven. Her excuses abandoned. The religious argument was now settled for now she understands it doesn't matter where you worship as long as it's in the spirit of his truth in relationship with the one who created you. She's no longer wandering around in the wilderness in the dark trying to figure it out, going from lover to lover to lover, having illicit affairs, just trying to fill the void on the inside that's caused her to be broken. I don't know her story. You don't know her story. And she remains nameless so that we can place our name in the story. She may have gotten broken as a child about relationships. She may have had something, and I won't say it in this room, but she may have had something unseemly happen to her, maybe even as a little girl, that set off a thirst and a hunger in her that could not be satisfied by natural means. But now the religious argument has been settled. And even greater than that, her, and, and, it's, and I'm not saying greater than that, but next in line, let's say it that way, her brokenness has been repaired. She no longer has a warped sense of relationship. Her self-loathing became self-acceptance in God. What she hated about herself, now she was okay because she understands it's about heart-to-heart connection, not performance-based. Is this too hard? What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying she was changed in an instant. Changed, 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 not the same, just in case you're having trouble getting your mind around changed, not the same, never again to be the same, something in her has been transformed, oh my goodness, look at this. But there's one thing I left uncovered last week. Are you ready? Her need, her need for fulfilling intimacy with a man. Her need for fulfilling intimacy with a man. It was skewed, it was jaded, it was broken, but she needed that healed. How does a woman have a right relationship with a man? Look at this. There's something in this area of her life, I've already said this, but just for reiteration's sake, what's damaged. And she would take the offered drink from a man but the excitement soon faded. She never 
had a drink or a man who delivered what her heart was crying out for. She didn't need another drunken party. She'd been to many. She needed peace. She needed safety, security, fulfillment, and deep intimacy. There's some intimacy you'll never get from another individual in this life, but from God alone. And you get that relationship with God intimately through the man, Jesus Christ, who was not only man, but God. Christ, God incarnate. Christ, a man who lived in this life, recreated like the first man, Adam, without a past of sin. For it is the sins of the Father that are passed from generation unto generation. But Jesus was born of a virgin. He was put on this earth to buy back for us the victory lost in the Garden of Eden. And through him, through him, you and I can now have the most intimate relationship with God and know him as he is and come boldly before the throne because we've met Jesus and because we've met Jesus and he's offered us that drink of living water and the Holy Spirit has now come and lives on the inside of us. What was it she drank at the well? She drank the infilling of God's grace and mercy. There the Holy Spirit encountered her in what we call salvation. In that day, her mind changed. And in that moment, everything about her was transformed. And now she has the right to come to God boldly as a member of the family. Mm -hmm. I got to hurry because we got people to dunk. <laughs> Sorry, it's just how I think. She was looking for safety, security, fulfillment, and deep intimacy. But Jesus, this man, he didn't come like all the other men. To offer her a drink and a good time just to get the party rolling. He came for two reasons. I'm almost done. Somebody shout hallelujah. He came for two reasons. Number one, to offer her a drink that would quench her thirst forever. To stop all the disappointment in life and in men. Sometimes we get jaded. To free her from the need to look for love in all the wrong places. In Genesis 24, 
I'm getting to the second point, and we'll be done. In Genesis 24, there's a beautiful story of when Father Abraham was looking for a bride for his son Isaac, who Jacob came from. He was looking for a bride, but in the region that they had been sent, which is now where Jacob's well is, in that region where they were living were foreign women. And he didn't want Isaac to marry a foreign woman. He wanted to follow God's law that was written upon his heart to take a woman from his home region so that they could build the Jewish race. He sent out his servant, Abraham did, to find his son, a bride. I hope I didn't just mess that story up. I might have messed it up just a little bit. He sent her, his, his servant out to the region of where Jacob's well now stands. <laughs> he sent her, he sent his servant there. And when a woman came out to water and collect water for the day, the servant sitting by the well praying that he would pick the right person and the right mate for his master's son, Saul, Rebecca. And he asked her for a drink, a man at the well asking her for a drink. She not only gave him a drink, but she watered all of his camels that were loaded down with gifts. Loaded down with dowry, which was customary in the time that when you married a wife, you gave to her father a dowry. Wealth the best that you had in exchange for his prized possession. You rewarded him. A beautiful story of love. And its rewards took place when Rebecca, a virgin, came out and went above and beyond just meeting the temporary need of a man who asked for a drink but went the extra mile to make sure that all of his camels, livestock, and everything that was with him had been taken care of. <laughs> Her acts of kindness to Abraham's servant was sealed in a drink at the well. She showed not only 
a heart of kindness, but a devotion and servitude. Soon she was ushered into the presence of her husband's of her husband and lavished with gifts and added to the rich heritage and legacy of God's plan of the Messiah. And now the Messiah is at the same well. He's at the same well of chosen brides again. Asking a woman of sordid background for a drink. And as she responds, he brings to her something no other man could give her. He brings forgiveness of sin against God. And suddenly she's made new. Suddenly she is clean. Suddenly she is free from self-loathing and disappointment and self-destruction. Suddenly there is no more need of an earthly drink that contains alcohol to drown your troubles in. And suddenly she feels as pure as a virgin again. Jesus has come to the well for his bride. And this outcast and her people have been invited back into God's family to be part of his bride. So here's point number two. You've been waiting. Jesus was there to call her to a marriage that would never fall short of her desire or expectation. And she said yes to his proposal of a drink from a well that would never run dry. And although many of the Jews refused the Messiah's proposal of a wedding feast drink, this little woman entered the bridegroom's proposal of a spousal for eternity. The same as you and I. God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that we are not outcasts, but we are the beloved of Christ. That one day we will be presented to Christ as a bride. That this many-membered bride is made up of those who once were outcasts and broken and mutilated by demonic forces hardship and heartache and difficulty and just plain life. And we thank you today that we are his bride. That we 
are his chosen, that we are the apple of his eye. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name.